This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. This series is entitled Pressing Through the Storm. If you have your Bible already at hand, I'd like for you to turn with me to an Old Testament passage first, Nahum, chapter 1. You might say, who, what? <laughs> Nahum, chapter 1, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, but we're going to Nahum this morning. Chapter 1 and verse 7. Now, while you're turning your Bible to that passage of Scripture, also turn with me to the book of Psalms. Chapter 107. And these are two verses that we will be looking at directly in the beginning of the message today. I want you to notice with me now in Nahum chapter 1, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture in verse 7. The Bible says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. I want you to look very carefully this morning as we begin this series at the first four words in this passage of Scripture. While you're getting focused on that, my first message this morning is dealing with this subject. Dealing with disruptive moments. I want you to think about that. It's the first sermon in the series, Pressing Through the Storm, dealing with disruptive moments. Now, I want you to look very carefully at the first four words of this verse. The Bible says that the Lord is good. Have you ever known Him not to be? Have you ever known His mercies not to endure, not to last? Have you ever known his mercies not to penetrate the darkest hours of your life? I want you to think about that just for a moment. You read that, the Bible says the Lord is good. This should be the light that shines on our heart every single day. The Lord is good. I don't know how many of you have been praying for Tracy Stuffel, who sings the bass part for... Uh, one of America's finest Southern gospel singing groups, the Perrys. Most of you know that last January, Tracy suffered a life-threatening stroke. He's nearly died several times. They're having to rush him back and forth from the hospital periodically. He just a few weeks ago came out of a very critical situation. But I will tell you this. This past Friday night, I saw him on the internet. His family was gathering around the hospital bed, and Tracy, for the very first time since last January, sang a song. Do you know what his song was? God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Some people, when they would have awoken out of a situation like that and begin to speak their first words and put syllables together, maybe would have begun to question God. But the first song of praise that came out of his mouth is, God is so good. 
I want you to think about that just for a moment. In spite of everything that he's been through and what a journey it's been, he can still sing and testify that God's been good. If you hold your place here and look at that Scripture I asked you to turn to in Psalms 107, the psalmist reflected on that as well. In Psalms 107, verse 1 and 2, and hold your place in Nahum because we're going to come right back to it. But I I want you to look at Psalms 107 in verse number 1 and 2. The the psalmist writes this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You see, verse 2 encourages every believer to declare the goodness of God. I think this morning if we turned this service into a testimonial service, we would be here indefinitely. Because every one of you could stand to your feet and testify how God's been good in your life. How God's brought you through a desperate moment. How God's lifted a heavy burden. How God has let the sun once again shine on your life. It ought to be a priority in all of our lives to share with other people what Christ has done for us. Where were you three months ago? Where were you six months ago? Where were you a year ago? Has God brought you through and out of something? Wow. The psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, if you're still holding your place in the book of Nahum, I want you to see the other part of the verse here. The Bible says that the Lord is good in the first part of it, Nahum 1.7. But I want you to see what the Bible says in connection with that. He not only says that the Lord is good, but that he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. The Lord is good. But I am convinced today after being here preaching the gospel for 30 years right here. I am convinced that there are a lot of times when we stand and open our Bibles to a text like this, or sometimes when you're asked to stand and sing a song like, It is well with my soul. Perhaps there have been times you have been asked to sing, It is well, and you have stood there holding the pew looking down at the floor, thinking while the music was being sung or played, it is not well in my soul. Because something of a troublesome nature had invaded your life, had crept into your joy. And when we have sang it as well, you were saying to yourself, oh, if the preacher knew it's not well. Maybe when we've stood to sing the song, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Maybe you have gripped the pew and you have trembled and you had said in your heart, preacher, if you only know, there's no joy in my soul today. Maybe when we stood to sing the old song, victory in Jesus, maybe you have gripped that pew and you have declared to yourself, there is no victory in my life today. 
I don't know, but I believe that there have been times of desperation in all of our life when we have all said from one time or another, it's not well. There's no joy. There's no victory. Where you have seen the dark clouds come over your life and has suppressed you to where you cannot declare the Lord is good. You cannot stand and testify. Though you know it, though he's been faithful in the past, you cannot reflect on those times he's brought you through. Maybe for some reason the devil has you thinking only about right now and the trouble and the problem and the storm that you're going through. And you're saying, oh, it's not well, it's not well. And maybe he's even convinced you that it will never be well again. And you have no strength, you have no energy to stand to your feet and say, and declare the Lord is good. Well, let me say this. In the very beginning of this series, trouble is no stranger to any of us. In fact, most of our lives, we spend it in some kind of trouble. Most of our lives, we are either going through a storm or coming out of one. Most of our lives, we experience circumstances that are not enjoyable. That's just the way it is. I mean, sometimes we have trouble with our jobs. Sometimes we have trouble with our health, our family, maybe our finances, maybe with our friends. Sometimes we have trouble with people who have done us wrong. Maybe you've got trouble with your neighbors. Maybe you got trouble with your past. Maybe you got trouble with your trust. Maybe you have trouble with your patience. Maybe you have a trouble, a problem this morning in your relationship with God. Maybe you're even dealing in trouble with the devil. It really doesn't matter which way you turn in life. Trouble is everywhere. I want you to think about that. The prophet said the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. There are not too many days we don't have it in some kind of way. It happens to everybody. In fact, listen to this. Trouble happens to lost people as well. When trouble invades the life of a lost person, they most of the time turn to misery. To find a solution. But a believer when he encounters trouble. Ought to turn to the word of God. Because it is a stronghold. In the day of adversity. In the day of, of trouble. In fact there's a very clear scripture. That the Bible gives to us. That would help us to register the fact that. Trouble is not a strange thing for Christians. I don't know how many of you ever thought <clears throat> that when you gave your heart to Christ, everything was going to work out. Everything was going to be all right. You'd be surprised at the people that tell me all the time, especially new Christians, who experience their first hurdle, their first dark night, their first troubled water, when when after they have given their heart to Christ, I have had many people to tell me this. Pastor, I did not have this kind of stuff going on in my life before I got saved. And I simply say, well, you better buckle up and hold on tight. <laughs> Some people think that when you get saved, 
God sends Gabriel, God sends Michael fluttering down to the earth and now pin some wings on him. Put a halo on him. He's a new believer. Give him a picnic basket and take him for a stroll. Oh my goodness, man. Let me ask you this, because you'd be first. I, has anybody ever got a pair of ha uh, wings and a halo after you got saved? What did he say? If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his and follow me. Every one of us is subjected to adversity. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says this. And this ought to bring you comfort. I don't know that it will ease your pain. If you're going through an overwhelming circumstance in your life right now. But it, it ought to give you a biblical perspective that what you're going through is not out of the ordinary. When Tracy Stuffel was able to sing, he didn't sing, Why me, Lord? He sang, God is good. Now, I want you to see this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Listen, as a believer, you're going to encounter trouble and problems. You're going to deal with life just like lost people have to deal with it. The difference is now you have hope, joy, peace, long-suffering. You have all of these things. You have the fruit of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit to help you through these difficult times. Listen carefully, storms and trials and disruptive moments are something that while we're on the earth, we're going to have to deal with it. One day, thank God, he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. One of these days, the, John the Revelator said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I'm so thankful that one day in that great by and by, one day the former things are going to be passed away. And thank God all things will be made new. Somebody say amen. I'm so glad I don't have to take this baggage to heaven. Aren't you? Glory to God. I don't have to worry about the former things in heaven. None of us like trouble. None of us like storms. I don't know anybody in this building today that enjoys disruptive moments. The truth of the matter is, I don't know anybody that seeks it. No matter what we do. The truth of the matter is that we cannot escape it. You see, trouble has a way of finding us. You don't have to look for it. It'll find you. And when it catches up with us, it doesn't come empty-handed. I'm telling you, troubles and disruptive moments 
They do not arrive on your doorstep trying to figure out what to do. When trouble and storms and disruptive moments show up at your house, listen, it comes with a game plan. It knows what to do. It knows where you're weak. It knows where you're struggling. It knows where you're vulnerable. And trouble and storms and disruptive moments seize the day in those areas of your life. Without question, it brings overwhelming Heartache in our life, it brings us to our knees. Sometimes trouble shreds our nerves. Sometimes it invades our peace. A lot of times trouble will take our mind captive. That's all we can think about. Sometimes it breaks our hearts. Sometimes it shatters our dreams. Storms and troubles and disruptive moments have a way of crippling us. I don't know how many of you remember this. Just a couple of months ago, the devastating tornado that struck the state of Oklahoma on Monday, May 20th of this year, just a couple of months ago. And as I was thinking about that one minute, people were living normal lives. They were going to work. They were coming home from work. They were buying gasoline and groceries. They were making doctor's appointments. They were cutting their grass. They were picking up their children from school. And then all of a sudden, the skies turned black and eerie. One second. Life was normal. At one second, life was good. One second, people were living in a normal routine. And in a very short moment, people were running for storm shelters. And as you know, when this tornado sat down on the ground, it ravaged a community for 30 square miles. And when it was over, life wasn't normal. When it was over... Those who were alive and emerged from that terrible thing immediately knew that their life was never, ever going to be the same. And let me say this about trouble. When trouble comes your way, that's the way trouble will leave us. Listen, trouble will never leave us the same. Either it will make us worse off than what we were, or coming out of trouble will make us much stronger and wiser people. But it cannot leave you the same. Those people were crawling out of the rubble and realized that nothing ever was going to be the same in their life. Without question, none of us like disruptive moments. Moments where we thought that we would never be the same again. No, you, you didn't think that you would ever see the sunrise again. Most of us, I believe, have been there. Most of those kind of disruptions in our life are accompanied with sorrow and heartache. It cripples us. Sometimes it pulls our thought out of good thoughts. You know, Philippians, Paul said, think on the good things. Sometimes when disruptive moments come our way, we can't do that. Let me remind you of something this morning. If you're going through something that just seems to be overwhelming, you can't figure it out. You don't know why it's happened. You don't know why it's you. 
Let me remind you of something that there were many people in the scriptures who also had overwhelming, dark, disruptive moments as well. It was a dark, disruptive moment when Jehochabed, the mother of Moses, had to place him in that makeshift cradle and send him out in the bulrushes. I'm telling you right now, that's something that was a clear, overwhelming, disruptive moment in her life. Not knowing what was going to become of him. It was a disruptive moment in Naomi's life when her husband, Emelech, suddenly died. It was a disruptive moment when David could no longer go to Bethlehem and drink out of the well. It was a disruptive moment when Jeremiah's life and his ministry spent most of its time in prison. It was a terrible disruptive moment when John the Baptist was placed into prison for preaching the gospel. It was a terrible disruptive moment when God permitted the thorn in Paul's life to remain. In fact, I want you to see a little bit about that. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse number 7 in just a minute. Here's what I want you to understand. You see, people in the Bible had disruptive moments too. People who had said, yes, Lord, I will go. Yes, Lord, I will serve thee. Yes, Lord, I will forsake all and follow you. I'll drop my nets and follow you. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. And sometimes we think that when we surrender all, when we give it all to God and we say, yes, I'm willing to give it up. I'm willing to forsake all the comforts and all of the things that I've enjoyed in life. I'm going to forsake it all and give it all to the Lord. Sometimes we think that God's just going to give us extra special favor because of that. But I want you to know that some of God's finest, some of God's choice servants had overwhelming and disruptive moments in their life just like us. Paul's response, listen now, this is critical. When you get into these 911 situations of your life, do you realize the way you respond to it is greater than the problem itself? Never forget that. The way you respond to the storm in many ways is greater than the storm. Paul spent agonizing time praying to God three times. God, I am praying that you take this thorn from me. He prayed specifically three times. God, I could serve you better. Take this thorn from me. And each time God began to reiterate his firm answer. Now, I want you to see this. Because how we respond to disruptive moments will have a significant impact on how you and I deal with the future. If you'll notice 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, and lest I should be exalted, and you need to underline that, we're going to come back to it, above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You see, Paul did not ask for it. He did not seek it. The Bible says that it was given to him. God permitted it. That was given to me. 
a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said, God said to me, Paul is saying, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. God said, Paul, listen, you can pray from daylight to dark every single day. Listen, I am not going to remove the thorn. You're stuck with it. You've got the thorn. God said, I am not going to take it from you. He said, but what I will do, he said, I am going to give you grace to deal with it. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know too many people who can respond to disruptions in their life quite like the Apostle Paul and maintain their integrity. In fact, listen, what would have happened in the life of Paul if he had gotten up off of his knees the third time? And said this, you know what? I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned, left for dead. I've been forsaken by my own countrymen. And God, I didn't sign up for this. This is just not fair. I have, I have surrendered it all. I have given my life. I have been to the point where I was in the body or out of the body, I could not tell. But God, listen, I'm not going to preach another word until you get this thing straight, till you take this thorn out of my life. I will not carry the gospel. I will not preach the gospel. I will not speak the gospel. Listen, can you imagine what would have happened to Paul if he had got up off of his knees and told God, get it straight or I quit? You know what God would have said? If you quit, I'll raise up another. Now, I want you to notice this. A lot of people who think that they would respond with integrity and good actions and words that please the Lord, you got to be on praying ground to make that kind of a statement. I, I would like to stand here and tell you this, that I believe I could do that in any situation. You probably right now sitting in this comfortable building holding your Bible would like to think that when the storms came your way, you would say, though, though others deny you, Lord, I'll not deny you. I'll go to jail with you, Lord. I'll die for you if I have. You know, we're all willing to say that. We sit here nice and comfortable, got a Bible in our hand, got all these believers with us. But how quick things could change. I want you to see this. <clears throat> sometimes when disruptive moments come our way, sometimes we lash out in anger. Sometimes we question God. Sometimes we doubt God. We take it out on our families. Sometimes we might even take it out on our brothers and sisters. We, we swell up with pride and then we begin to give God all these ultimatums and tell him how it's not fair. And we have a tendency to say, how come? Why me? Most of our time, we respond to disruptions by embarrassing the Lord and 
bringing a reproach to his name. One of the things that I would encourage you to do whenever disruptions come your way is to always, always, always look for the providential hand of God. Did he not declare that he would always meet our needs according to his riches and glory? Has there ever been a time when God's almighty hand has not been almighty? Has there ever been a time when even the wind refused to obey his voice? Has there ever been a time when the devil has become greater? So you think about the providential hand of God. Let me encourage you today that when storms and troubles and disruptive moments come your way, remember this, that everything has a purpose. Romans 8, 28, I don't have time to get into that scripture today, but everything works together for the good. God never said everything would be good. I want to share three things with you. First of all, Paul recognized the purpose of his disruption. I want you to go back to verse 7 in 2 Corinthians 12, and I asked you to underline a scripture. I asked you to underline a reference in that passage. He recognized the what was the purpose of, why did God stay so bent on keeping this thorn in his life? Why would God refuse this request from the great apostle Paul? Paul gives us the answer himself in verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure. You see, Paul was quick to conclude that the disruption in his life was to protect him against the sin of pride. Pride is a terrible sin. Pride almost cost Naaman the leper to remain a leper the rest of his life. The prophet had told him to go down and dip in the Jordan seven times. He could have said, listen, I'm a captain and the host of, of the army. I'm not going down there and dipping that muddy water. There's a lot of other waters around here. There's a whole lot better. I'm just not doing it. If Naaman had have refused to go dip in the Jordan, he would have been a leper the rest of his life. Try your best to remember this great spiritual truth. At the heart of all of our suffering is the refiner and the refiner's fire. What, what are you talking about, preacher? Try to remember that. At the heart of all of our suffering is the refiner and the refiner's fire. You say, I'm not getting it, preacher. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. You see, God is the refiner, and the Bible says that he's refining us. He is purifying the gold of our godly character. That's what he's doing. Whatever God permits, whatever God allows, he is refining the gold of our godly character. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So remember this, God has a purpose for every disruptive moment in your life. He, he has a purpose for it. Perhaps it's to teach us a lesson. Maybe it's to slow us down. Maybe it's to prepare us for a greater storm in life that we don't even know about yet. Maybe it's to learn how to help others. But never forget that God always has a purpose. He never works outside of a purpose. 
Number two, God has provisions for all of our disruptive moments. I just concluded a series on Philippians 4.19. I preached four sermons on that one verse. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I will tell you that God does have provisions to meet our need. God has provisions to meet and solve whatever disruptive moment we have in our life. God, aren't you just glad? Listen, when these overwhelming moments show up in our life, aren't you glad that God just doesn't say deal with it? Think about that. I mean, some things that bring us to our knees, our hearts are ripped out of our spiritual bodies. We, we can't think. Have you ever been to that place where you couldn't pray? You didn't know what to do. You didn't know what verse to cling to. And you just cried out to God. And you claimed the scripture, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Aren't you glad that in that time, in that moment of desperation, you cried out to the Lord, oh God, help me. Aren't you glad? And then say, hey, deal with it. Wow. God has the resources. He has the provisions to meet those needs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, here's what I want you to remember. God has, God has arranged it for the life of every believer, that our lives do not get too comfortable in this world. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. And if we never had a disruptive moment, wouldn't it not be so tempting to walk hand in hand with this world's philosophy, with this world's ideologies, with this world's Political correctness. If we never had a disrupt, listen, we could just walk with them and blend right in. But God has arranged it for us not to be too comfortable in this life. If we ever got too comfortable, I would ask the question, how many in this world known as the body of Christ, how many in this world, in the local New Testament church, how many would say, yes, I'll pick up the cross. Yes, I'll live by faith. Yes, I'm willing to endure hardness as a good soldier. If life ever got comfortable, friend, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm afraid none of us would be seriously minded about paying the price. Paul, in his situation, he wanted it to be gone. He, he prayed earnestly for it. God, take his thorn out of my life, but God chose not to answer the prayer that way. God says, I will do something else, though. He said, I will give you every ounce of grace that you need to weather the storm. Now, let me say this about God's grace. When God said to Paul, his grace would be sufficient, let me assure you of something today. Sometimes in our overwhelming circumstances, we might be so overwhelmed with a problem that we want to crawl up under a juniper tree like Elijah. And we might say, I'm the only one, God. I'd just rather die, kill me. Some of us might have been to the place in life where we've asked God to take us. Let me assure you of one thing. 
while God has an active plan for your life, He's not going to give you grace to die. He's going to give you grace to live. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Listen, God's given us strength. He's given us grace to live. But when it comes our time to die, He won't give us living grace. He'll give us dying grace. When it's my time, when it's your time, listen, we won't have to be shriveled up under a juniper tree. Listen, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The third thing is this. Not to lose our perspective as a believer when the disruptions come our way. Don't lose the perspective on that. When problems come your way, there are basically three things you can do. Number one, you can get angry with God and you can get angry at every person sitting near you or living around you. You can get angry with everybody. Number two, you can lose your will to serve the Lord. You can lose your will to go to church. You can lose your will to pray. You can lose your will to pray or spend time in the Word. Or you can depend on God to give you that grace to help you to endure it and learn from it. And in spite of it all, Paul said this, I know whom I have believed. He knew God was not going to forsake him. Sometimes in your life, listen now, when these things come into your life, we're talking about pressing through the storms. Sometimes when you get there, and there may be somebody here this morning who is in that place right now. You're just overwhelmed. Maybe you wish you could go back in life and turn some things around where you would not be in this predicament. Maybe you've been saying, oh God, help me today. I just don't know what to do. And then the tempter will come and say, God's lied to you. Why are you in this mess? It's what he did to Eve in the garden. He began to whisper in her head the words of doubt. Hath God said this really? Maybe in your time of trouble, the tempter will come your way and cause you to doubt. Listen, there might be times in your life that you want to let go of the anchor. But I promise you this. The anchor will never let go of you. You might want to let go of him, but the promise says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When you think about that, we have some choices in the matter. We have some things that we can do. Here's what I want you to think about in conclusion of today's message. Disruptive moments are really divine appointments. Joseph was thrown in the pit, placed into prison. Job was afflicted by Satan. Paul was disrupted in his body. 
I don't know where you are today, what's happening in your life, but let me assure you of this. Never forget that in every circumstance, God is in control. So remember, divine appointments are really coming to us in our disruptive moments. Secondly, spiritual progress in our life is not possible without disruptions. I, I don't care how you look at it. You see, we never grow in grace. We never grow spiritually without them. We have to have them. No Christian was ever designed to remain a babe in Christ. None of us. So many times when, when a person gets saved, get in church, get comfortable, you know, just want to sit back and just chill till heaven comes. But I will tell you this. The word teaches us to leave the milk. We have to press on to the meat. You'll not be able to digest that unless you are going through some rehabilitation, unless you're going through some a redirection, unless you're going through some refining. Let me tell you this. None of us were ever made to be babes all of our life. The Word says grow in grace and disruptive moments help us to do just that. Let me say this with you. Number three. I'm going to give you one more and we'll close. The promise of God in our disruption guarantees the provision of grace. None of us can bear fruit unless we learn how to weather the storm. Number four is this. We can learn from disruptive moments in our life To totally depend on God. Life depends on how we respond to those storms. Our musicians are coming forward. And I want to say that if you're watching by internet today, some other country, some other state, I want you to stay with us just for a moment. When you, when you think about this, listen carefully now. If you ever get to the place where you feel like you cannot learn anything else in life, that's the day your life ceases to be productive. So when the storms come your way, when the disruptive moments come your way, you've got to keep your focus and perspective. You have to realize this. You didn't ask for it. You didn't sign up for it. But there it is. Always remember that God's unchanging hand is in control. If you leave here today only remembering one thing about this sermon this morning, remember this, this last statement. No Christian has ever been designed to be a babe all of their life. God expects us to grow in grace. Now, first of all, And I don't know how lost people contend with this world's insanity without Christ. I don't know how they do it. As I said earlier, lost people in a storm turn to misery. And if that's you today, if you're lost, you don't know Christ. I want to assure you that things will only get worse. 
Because there may not be an overnight remedy for your problem. But I want you to know there is an instant remedy for your soul. And that's in Jesus Christ. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.